Hallelujah. It is the month of September, the ninth month. And we know that the ninth month is the season to give birth. Amen. The ninth month is the month that you would give birth, and that's what God is doing. Amen. Thank you, Mati. She sent me a picture of the full moon. Amen. She had took one too. And so, guess what, Brother Russell? Guess where I'm not preaching tonight? <laughs> Can y'all believe it? <laughs> you going to call him? <laughs> so they picked on me all the time, said, I bet I know where you're preaching today and tonight and next week and next year. First Samuel 30. So I messed them up today. Amen. Genesis 16. Genesis 16. Somebody needs to hear this. Amen. And somebody needs to hear with what Sister Tori has to say. It's really neat. I met with her um, before church, and many things that the Lord had dealt with me today, uh, God had given her. Amen. And so um, we're going to let her share in just a minute, too. But I do feel the need that I need to read this this whole chapter here at Genesis 16. And um, we're going to read it and um, see what God says. Uh, Genesis 16, it says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. I want you to know this, that Hagar's name means stranger. So Hagar is a strange woman. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go unto my handmaid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her handmaid, the Egyptian, after Abram had, dealt ten, had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Now, I need to say this tonight because the Spirit of God dropped this in my spirit. And then the Holy Ghost spoke that if he has given us a promise, then what did God say about his promises? They are yes and amen. Not only did the Holy Ghost speak that, but you can see that in the word of the Lord. Now, Abraham and Sarah was given a promise, amen, that they would have a son. But how many years had they waited until this and not no son? Ten years. And guess what? It would be 15 more years before the promise of the father would come to Abraham and Sarah. Now, here's what happened. They got tired of waiting on God to come through on his promises. And so what did they do? We're going to help God out. How many of us tonight, um, I don't think it's a coinky dink that the Holy Ghost spoke that if I made a promise to you, then they are yes and amen. And so let me just warn us all, God does not need our help to fulfill his promises in his life. Amen. If it's God's promise, then God will complete what he promises. And so God don't need our help. The moment that we step in and help God, then we're about to make a mess. Now listen to me. 
Now, Sarah gave Abraham permission to sleep with Hagar. Abraham, I mean, he, he didn't go ask Sarah, can I? Amen. Sarah said to Abraham, since I can't give birth, then go sleep with the handmaid. Go join yourself to her. Now what happens? Abraham did what she said. And what happened with Hagar? She became pregnant. What happened to Sarah then? She got mad. <laughs> but she wasn't mad at herself. She was mad at Hagar and began to despise her. And I just heard the Lord say this after what God did Wednesday night. There was literally a birthing room that took place in this church. There was literally a birthing room that took place in this church. I've never hurt so bad in my life. I've never wanted to crawl away from the fire of God so much than last Wednesday in my life. I could not explain it. I can't touch it. I don't know. I just know it hurt. And all I could do was scream. So we're pregnant with a promise. Now Sarah might not have been pregnant with a child, but she was pregnant with a promise. How was she pregnant with a promise? Because God spoke to Abraham and Sarah, and so they had been given a promise, so they were pregnant with a promise. But that wasn't enough for them. She was looking to the physical and not the spiritual. And so what happens? You may be here tonight, and you may be pregnant with a promise, and you may be pregnant spiritually but not pregnant physically, and you may put your stamp of approval on the flesh to give in, and then what begins to happen? Now, you're pregnant spiritually. You're pregnant with a promise, but what begins to happen? Some strange woman gets what you already should have got because God told you, and now you begin to despise everybody in your life. Now, hear me tonight. This was the promise of God, and Jesus said, I prepared a meal, and I want you to come in. You've already been invited. Everything is ready. Now, go bid them to come. But what did they begin to say? Well, I just bought a piece of land, and I got to go check on it. Well, I just got married. Well, I just bought a yoke of oxen, and I got to go see how good they are. The Bible plainly says in the New Testament, when Jesus had everything ready at the banquet, that people began to make excuses, and Jesus said, fine then, you'll not come in. Go to the highways and the hedges and bid them to come. What is Jesus saying? He said it's going to be strangers that come in and eat at this table. What does Hagar's name mean? Stranger. So listen to me. God has given us a promise. We're pregnant with a promise. But when strangers start walking in off the road, off the streets, when people like Tori come in and God radically saves her, when people like these others that we've talked about, Russell gets mad when we talk about Dom. Amen? Russell gets mad. I mean, he wants us to talk about him a little bit. But God's doing a quick work. He said, get up here and sit down right here. Did you see him? He patted on the seat and said, sit right here, Russell. <laughs> he said, come on and join him and get in church. <laughs> John Wayne said, you might get saved. <laughs> But you think about this. Think about the quick work God is doing. Why would God do such a quick work? Because he knows time is short. And so the devil's fighting and he knows time is short. So does the Lord. And so why is God doing such a radical work so quickly? So here's the thing. We have to protect ourselves. We've been given a promise and we're pregnant with a promise. But now these strangers start coming in. 
Well, they hated us. And now look at what God's doing. You mean she's going to get in that pulpit just three weeks ago? She was underneath a car and living like hell. Now she's going to get the microphone tonight that quick? <laughs> Some of us are pregnant with a promise, but we see them getting fulfilled quicker than me. And so what begins to happen? If I'm not careful, I'll start despising the stranger. Are you hearing me? I'll start despising what God is doing in Dominique because it took me 10 years to get what you're getting. Amen. It took me 20 years to get what you're getting. It took me 20 years to learn the things that you're learning so quickly. Well, I can tell you because seasons have shifted. The seasons have shifted. And God knows that time is short. And so he knows that I got to do a quick work in people's lives. And so what happened with Sarah? God had gave Abraham and Sarah. God didn't forget about Sarah. God gave her a promise, and she was pregnant with a promise, but she was pregnant spiritually, not physically. And so she gave in to the flesh and told Abraham, we'll just have Hagar. So we know this story. We're still dealing with Ishmael. Amen. And the Bible says that Ishmael, Ishmael, Ishmael would be wild, would be a wild donkey. All right? We'll just leave it at that. He'd be a wild donkey and he would be against every man. Amen. You put there what you want to. That's what the Bible really says. Amen. And so we're going to go on. And here's verse 6. But Abram, Abram said unto Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth, pleaseth thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. Now I looked up this word today, dealt hardly with in the Hebrew, and it means to be browbeaten. And it means to be looked down upon. Anybody ever felt browbeaten by religion in church? You ever felt, looked like, felt like people looked down at you? Amen? Well, that's the way Hagar felt. She felt like Sarah was browbeating her. You just look down at me. I'm nobody. I'm despised in your eyes. But listen to this. Here's the grace of God. Verse 7, And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water, in the wilderness by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Now you want to help God out? That's exactly what will happen in my life and your life too if you try to help God fulfill his promises. Everything you do will be against God and against man. Amen. That's what the flesh does. Listen, don't give in and create Ishmael's. Amen. Verse 13, And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him? That seeth me. Wherefore the well was called Bir Laharoi, 
Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bare Adam, Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. So we see here just a few moments that Hagar's name means stranger. And at the saying of Sarah, she gave permission to Abram to go in and take his mistress or handmaiden, Hagar, and immediately Hagar conceived and gave birth. I do believe that this is a prophetic word for our church, that strange people such as Hagar are going to begin to come and God is going to immediately begin to fill them with his promises. God is immediately going to begin to put his seed inside of them. And so listen to me. I believe that we are going to have to protect ourselves from jealousy and despising the work of God in young Christians' lives. Are you hearing me? I believe this would be one of the greatest hindrances that the devil would love to destroy this church. I feel this in my spirit. I feel this deeply within my spirit. There happens to be a well here that this stranger ran to. And I believe that it is a type of what God spoke to me a month ago, Brother David. He told me this today. He said, God said that we would begin to give water to sheep that are thirsty. I can promise you that every lost person is not a bad person. Amen. There are lost sheep that are sitting by whales with their tongues hanging out that are just waiting on somebody to remove the stone so that they can have something to drink. Amen. And so lost people and people that are in sin, don't be surprised when they walk in this church in sin. Amen. Don't touch them. Lead them to the altar. Remove the stone off of your heart and let the water of the Holy Ghost flow out of your life and begin to give them drink. Amen. That's what John 7 says that we would do. Some of our hearts are so hard-hearted that we have no compassion to anybody and we wonder why the Holy Ghost don't flow out of our life. If you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you should pray in the Holy Ghost every day. Amen. You should pray in the Holy Ghost every day. I can tell you when you're not, there'll be a stone over that well. And that well will quit flowing. I promise you. And if you have been filled and not spoken in tongues in a while, you need to remove the stone, the hard-heartedness of religion and decay and death off of that. And you need to let the river begin to flow again so that you can give water to those that are around you. Jesus said in John 7 that it would be a river on the inside of you that would flow out of your belly. He didn't say out of his belly. He said the river would flow out of your belly. Amen. I know it seems weird to wake up in the morning and pray in tongues. That don't matter. The Word of God says do it. Do it. Amen. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. We have to remove the stone from off of our hearts. Let me ask you tonight, is your heart hard toward the things of God? Is your hearts hard toward church? Is your hearts hard towards people of God? Is it hard towards the call of God? And no wonder there are sheep that are dying and going to hell because there's too many wells that have stones over them. How many Christians have stones over the wells of our hearts and we're not giving anybody drink? Amen? And so thank God for a well she came to. But here's what happened in Hagar's life. This stranger, she began to flee because 
She was despised in the eyes of Sarah. I'm sure that that really hurt her. And the Bible says in verse 6 that Sarah dealt hardly with her. I don't believe that anybody wants to be browbeat over anything. Amen? Anybody like being browbeat? No. How many of you is going to take something? Anybody in here else run when somebody browbeats you? Anybody ever had somebody just keep nagging about something? What does it make you want to do? Just Let's just be real for a minute. What does it make you want to do, Tracy? Makes you want, want to run, right? I mean, everybody may not be runners in here. Amen? Some of you may be stayers, but not everybody is. Sometimes the stayers are the ones doing the browbeating. <laughs> and then we judge the runners. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We judge the runners. And we want to say, look at you. You run from everything. You always run. Well, quit browbeating me. Sarah was a stayer, but she had doing to run Hagar off. Some people can't take but so much of something. And so Hagar was a strange woman. She didn't do anything wrong, but what Sarah gave permission to them to do. And so now here's Sarah browbeating Hagar, this strange woman. And so here's what we're going to have to guard ourselves from. We can't browbeat people with religion, and when strangers start walking in the house of God, don't start telling them how to do this thing. Amen. We can't just start telling them how to do it. Just let God lead you to do it. You older men, teach. You older women, teach. Amen. The Holy Ghost will lead in all of that. And so here's this woman. She's a runner. I know there's probably a lot of runners in here. Amen. But there's some stayers too. And so Hagar was a runner. And so she began to flee because she was browbeat. She was beat up over the head. And she began to run. And so when she was running from Sarah's face, and that literally means presence. And how many times do we run from the presence of God? Because I've been browbeat in church by religion. I've been hurt by people, places, and things. And so verse 7 said this, and this just one of, I just love this. Because here's Hagar, this strange woman, running from the face of Sarah. Verse 7 says, And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. Now, if you take their culture, it was a desert time, a dry place, and she took off running, and she was about halfway home. Isn't it just like the Lord to mess your plans up? <laughs> I was about halfway home. But it was sure dry, and I was sure thirsty. But I sure didn't want to face Sarah anymore. I didn't want to deal with her. I was tired of her browbeating me. And I was willing to do whatever I had to do to get back where I came from. And so she was running for her life. She was fleeing from there. She was running. The Bible says she fled from her face. She was literally running. There was no stopping her. But can I tell you, when God sends his angel, when God sends the Holy Ghost, can I tell you, I don't care how strange you are. I don't care how far gone that you are. I don't care where you've ended up. I don't care how bad you've been. I'm telling you that God loved this strange woman enough to send his angel, a type of Christ, to stop her in the middle of a desert. Can I tell you that I believe that God has stopping power still? 
I don't care how much you love doing drugs. I don't care how much you like sinning. I don't care how much you like religion. I don't care how much you like whatever it is that you may do. I'm telling you, I serve a God that has stopping power. Amen. I said, I have. I serve a God, Brother Wayne, that has stopping power. I don't care how much we like to run away from problems. I can tell you, you there ain't no bigger runner in this house than the one that's got the microphone and standing in this pulpit. But I know a God that at times I've tried to run, that God's stops me dead in my tracks and he said who do you think you are? I thank God for the Holy Ghost that knows how to stop us in the middle of our tracks and say turn around and go submit yourself back to that. Amen. I believe that God is talking to somebody tonight including me in this house to let you know that he still got stopping power and he'll stop you wherever you are. You're going to hear from Sister Tori in a minute. God had stopping power in her life. Amen. Hagar was fleeing from the presence of Abraham and Sarah, she was tired of being beat down and browbeat, but in the middle of a desert, God created a fountain to put right there and he stopped Hagar in the middle of that. God knows how to stop strange people. Amen. You may feel strange. I love this. But there happened to be a well there. I just believe that this is a type of what God is going to do here at GFCC. So listen to me. Strange people running from problems Strange people running from the presence of God. Strange people running from the call of God. Strange people running from religion. Strange people running from church hurt. I believe there's somehow, some way, they're just going to end up here. Amen. Amen. Somehow. Can I tell you that there were three people that landed here Sunday morning. One was delivered of sorcery and witchcraft. Came into this church. They told me out of their mouth they had already left another church right down the road from here. And they said they left empty. <laughs> they said, we had heard about this church and we just stopped in. She came in. The service was about halfway over. Halfway over, the service was over. Can I tell you, religion is not going to do it. I'm not knocking that church. It don't matter. Every church has got something for somebody. But there's got to be a people that will deal with witchcraft and sorcery. Amen. I said there's got to be a people that will deal with witchcraft and sorcery still. Amen. And so I'm telling you tonight, church, we got to be prepared. I keep hearing from men of God all around this world. And can I tell you, I hear the Holy Ghost telling me what the same Holy Ghost is telling them. It's time for war. There's going to be a rise in the remnant in this hour like we've yet to see. I believe God's kept some of us back, but I'm telling you it's time that God's about to rise us up. There's about to be a rise and a standard that's raised and the remnant in this hour, you're about to hear more of them. You're about to see more of them. God's about to call prayer meetings. God's about to call people to the labor room. God's about to birth ministries inside of people's lives. God's about to birth children into the things of God. God's about to birth that mission field wide open. The devil thought that he had it shut down. You better hold on, church. There's been a stirring in my belly that God's about to do more than this church has ever seen him do. Amen. I feel that. Not just here. I'm not just saying right here. I'm telling you God's about to use strange people. Amen. Anybody strange here? All right. I'm glad there's a few of you. God's about to use y'all. Amen. God's going to use strange people. God's going to stop some of us dead in our tracks. Some of you trying to run from problems tonight. Some of you trying to run from things tonight. Can I tell you, thank God that there's a well. 
Thank God that there's a well. Amen. The angel of the Lord. Isn't that like the grace of God to pursue somebody in their mess? I mean, Hagar's running. She's minding her own business. Here she is. She stops at a fountain to get something to drink. Minding her own business to get just a, all I needed was a drink of water. And here come the angel of the Lord had to mess my plans all up. Let me ask you tonight this serious question. Are you willing to allow the Holy Ghost to mess your plans all up? You had it set out in front of you what you wanted to do. I'm going home. I'm not dealing with Sarah and Abram. I didn't do anything. I'm going to the house. Are you willing to let God mess your life up? Turn your plans around. Are you willing? Am I willing? Are we willing to let God just mess us all up and stop us dead in our tracks? You know what the angel of the Lord said? Go back to Sarah and submit yourself to her. <laughs> you mean that woman that browbeat me? The woman that despises me? The woman that whenever I'm around her, I'm depressed? The woman that can't stand me? You mean you want me to turn around and go back there? That's what the angel of the Lord told her. Can I tell you that is repentance? She was headed home, and when the angel of the Lord saw her, he turned her back this way and said, you go back where you came from. She was halfway there. Can I tell you, some of you is halfway into making the worst mistake you've ever made in your life. Some of you is almost home, and if you ever get back where you came from, I don't know if you're coming back this time. I don't know if you're coming back this time. And God loves us enough tonight to warn us. Sister Tori, God loved you enough to put you underneath that car. Because if you had made it home, you wouldn't be here right now. And if the rapture took place, you'd be in hell. God loves you enough to stop us dead in our tracks. No matter what, what's going on, listen to me. Some of us think, some of us has been bound by religion. We think that we're right with God. Are we truly right with God? Are we truly right with God if we won't just surrender everything tonight all over this house and say, God, here's my life. It's yours. Just turn it around and do what you want to with it. Lord, this is my life. I've held on to it for 42 years. Here it is. You take it and do what you can with it, God. Can we trust him with that faith? Can we do it? Hagar had to. The very words that came to her, go back, submit yourself to that woman. Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. <laughs> the hands that bow, browbeat me. Can I tell you, there's no greater place of authority than submission to the people of God that God puts you under. If a church is going to work right, can I tell you it's going to come through that? Amen. I don't believe I've ever demanded submission from anybody. That's not submission when somebody has to demand that. You can't demand respect or somebody to submit to you. People have to willingly submit to Christ in you and trust that. Amen. You have to do that. You have to trust. If you can't trust, you can't submit. I say this all the time. If you can't trust me as a pastor, then you need to find a pastor that you can because you have to be submitted. Amen. 
Because the Bible does say that if you can't submit to that, it brings damnation on your soul. Amen? There's no lone, isolated, lone ship, lone, a lone sheep. Amen? You have to be connected to a flock. Verse 9, go submit thyself under her hands. And verse 10 says, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. Do you want God to multiply your life? Submit yourself to the people of God that God tells you to submit to. Amen? And when you will submit, I promise you multiplication will come to your life. Amen? I promise you that. He said right after you go back and submit to Sarah's hands, you may not always like it. I may not always like it. But I promise you that when you submit to that, right, wrong, or indifferent, God will bless your life and multiplication will come. Amen? Multiplication will come. I promise you that. I heard another testimony today of the school, Michaela. You know, you submitted to the call of God. Y'all, y'all have left everything. And Brother Jacob in, in April told me, Jacob, we had lunch today, and he said, he said their little girl Clara said she used to be quiet and reserved and said she was worshiping on the way to school today. Hands raised, worshiping. I mean, just worshiping the Lord and said, Mama, that's how my friends at school worship, so I'm going to worship like them. <laughs> Amen. You got one too? Huh? You got a testimony too? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Connor's learning worship songs, scriptures. Amen. Multiplications happening. She shared the other day. We had one get baptized in the Holy Ghost last week. Amen. At school. Thank God for that. Amen. So let me hurry up. I got to get Tori up here. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, thou art with child and shall bear a son. There's the multiplication. Amen. Here's what I want you to know tonight. Verse 14. Wherefore the well was called Bir Laharoi. And that word right there in the Hebrew means God sees me. God sees me. And so in Hagar's worst, God saw her. God saw her in her worst. Come on, Tori. God saw her in her worst. God saw her there, and God loved her at her worst. The New Testament says, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. And so at our worst times, God sees us at these wells. You may have afflictions in your life. You may have pain, and you may be wanting to run. But can I tell you that God is faithful to pursue us because he loves us? His grace is sufficient in these moments that we're running God is there, and he loves us enough to stop us. He loves us enough to send his angels and the Holy Ghost to say, stop what you're doing. You're going in the wrong direction. Now turn around. You know, Sister Laura, God could be sending his angels right now saying, I'm going to use this to stop the direction you've been headed. Not saying that it's been bad, but just stop where you're going. Amen. Sister Tori, come on up here. This is a miracle. Amen. It's a miracle from God. So we're going to stay here and help her. I know that she's nervous, but I just thought so many things about what I just shared in the Word is her life. We didn't have this planned. It wasn't planned that I'm going to share this and she's going to share. This just all happened last night with her life. Amen. So we're going to help her hit the high points and 
and just see what God does. Amen. I just want to say I'm really grateful to be able to speak in front of y'all because, you know, if it wasn't for God's grace, I would not be here right now. But uh, I just want to start off with a lot of people think that my testimony is about the life that I was living and, you know, what made me get there. And so a lot of it is I want to start off with, you know, what led me to that life and, you know, confessing all that I did that I, I didn't think that I was worth it anymore. But this isn't my, I used to think this was my story, and it's God's. I started off with a really young age. I have such a beautiful mom and sisters and dad. I came from such a good family. I'm so blessed for it. But at a young age, my parents, they split up, and it was hard for me. And as a lot of people in here, like, I know a lot of kids my age and even grown-ups know it's hard when your family splits. So I took that really hard, even though my parents, they love me so much. And I started making bad decisions because I fell in lust. I fell for a boy who I loved, and I got lust instead. And once that started, all my sexual sins cling to me, and they got deeper and deeper and deeper. I know a lot of y'all think that's silly, but it's real. It's real. The realest thing ever. I told my mom the other day, I said, lust and love are like identical twins, and you can't tell them apart. It's so hard to tell them apart. And the things that I did in my past two years don't matter no more because they don't define me. You know, but towards the beginning there, I was so hurt and lost that I felt like I don't have a dad. I don't have a mom. I'm going to leave, and I'm going to create this new life for myself that I can run from, you know, running from all my past and my troubles and the things I did wrong that I did not want to face so I, I got into where a lot of y'all know I'm, I was a dancer, tripper, whatever you want to call it. And until y'all face those type of demonic sins, you don't know how hard it is to get out of them. It's serious. Because you become so emotionally cold that your own dad and mom, nobody can reach you. Nobody. You love nobody, not even yourself. Wow. And it literally took God. I was driving home from, from work. I was in Pensacola. I used to travel a lot. And I was coming home. My mom, my mama, that night, she, before I walked out the door, she said, be careful and there was on the I-10. I said, I'm fine. I got it, you know. Never had anything happen to me before. I'm fine, right? And I was driving home. I joked my mom about that. I guess like I felt like now that it's funny to me because I can joke about it now because it's healing. But I am um, within three seconds came out of nowhere. Had lights. Couldn't turn. Couldn't stop. 
and I had a drunk driver hit me going the wrong way on the interstate at 70 miles per hour. And I know most of y'all know Chuck Bass. He recently just passed away from being thrown out of a vehicle. And that was me. And I don't know if the pictures are up there, but I had a red little Mustang, and I used to love that thing. It was, I gave it, I gave it hell. I did. <laughs> I was not a good driver. I mean, I knew enough, but let me tell you, I'm a girl. I had fender benders. I hit poles. I hit trees. You can tell that car was, you know, my mom always looked at me. I remember one time I came home. I hit my mom. I was like little saying she hung her laundry stuff up on. She's like, what did you do? And I was like, listen. But, you know, <laughs> it's funny because I got to be humorous in this situation. But so the car came out of nowhere. And I remember when I was in that vehicle, it felt like I was just getting crushed, like it was a little piece of paper. And the next thing I knew is I couldn't breathe. I had no air. My face was, like, stuck in the dirt, and I couldn't move. My whole body, I could not move. And I was suffocating, and I was running out of air. And I had to move my broken arm, which is, if y'all can see this now, it's a lot better, thank God. Um, I had to move my broken arm, like, in a way to where I could move my head so I can finally start breathing again. That's when I start screaming, and... And, you know, when you're screaming for help and there's nobody there, that's when it really hits you. And you're like, oh, my God, am I going to get to see my dad again? Or my mom? Or my beautiful sister over there? They're never going to see me again because nobody's going to find me. And you're in so much pain because everyone thought my, my arm hurt. But when you had the weight of that whole vehicle on top of you, you don't know what's hurt and what's not because it's, it's there. It's real. And so I wanted um, to read y'all the prayer that I started praying because I said, God, please help me. Please save me. I'm in so much pain. Please take it away. I know I haven't been living right. But if you're going to take me, please just take me. Wow. And I think of that every single day. That I was like, because you're like, when people were like, I was married being in high school, and I was like, I don't really know if God's real. You know what I mean? You're like, I don't know. I hear about him. He preaches about him, but is he real? I got a state troopers, paramedics, surgeons, and doctors that will tell you right now, there is no reason or way that I got out from that car alive. <laughs> they don't know. They're like, I, I can remember being under that car. Let me don't get carried away. But, uh. It's okay. <laughs> And then I heard it, and then I'm, like, praying, and I'm thinking, and then I'm finally, in my head, I'm like, you know, I'm giving up because it's, like, it's been so long. I was laying under there for so long. I couldn't feel my legs no more. The car, it got heavier and heavier and heavier. And I heard it. 
he was, it was so calm that it was almost like I have like didn't really hear that. Wow. And I was like, I give up, and I just hear it. And he's like, No, not yet. And I'm so startled that I start screaming because I thought somebody was there. And I'm like, you know, I'm screaming for my life. I'm like, is anyone there? I'm, I'm stuck. I can't get out. Nobody's there. And it hit me. And I'm like, did I really just hear God? Did I really just hear God? Jesus. And then about 20, 30 minutes later, a woman finally, she found me on a deserted part of the interstate that state troopers say that nobody goes to at that time of the morning. And paramedics come and police come and y'all ever had 25 cops and paramedics swarm around you? Because it is crazy. But I remember they thought I was dead. They thought I was dead because I was in so much shock, not from the vehicle, not from all the pain and my broken bones and my wounds and my concussion. I was in so much shock because I heard the most beautiful voice in the world. They thought I was dead. They thought I was dead. Just listen, they, when they pulled me out, they thought I was dead. I can't remember hearing them up there. It's so scary because they're like, yeah, we got to get this. They're jacking this car. They're like, when we, when we jack it, you got to grab it because it, it might fall. And we don't know what's going to happen if this car falls. And I'm like, down there, I'm like, you know, what do you mean you don't know what's going to happen? And um, I was like, um, and they pulled me. And I, it was screaming because one, because I was like, it was very painful. I don't know if y'all ever had broken bones before. I was, you know. Uh, but also because I was screaming because I felt all the release of I'm, he saved me. And I remember that paramedic just, you can keep screaming, just keep screaming. I did. Um, uh, and then them just swarming me. And then I remember hearing the guy paramedic, I wouldn't have pulled her out like that if I would knew she was alive. Because I had a broken neck, if I would have, you know what I mean? And I'm like, <laughs> they put a neck, you know, we get life lighted. That's not the first time I ever wanted to be on a helicopter. But, you know, it went. And I remember... Kids, when you're like, oh, my mom's so annoying, I feel you. But when I tell you, when I was in that helicopter, I was begging for my mom. I was begging. I was like, please, I need my mom. And if y'all need to know, please remember your mom's phone number because it's so important. (laughs) It really is. And it's so funny because my mom's always been the one to take care of stuff. And they're like, they're like, where are your mom and dad work? I'm like, they're like at the prison in Holmes County. And they're like, we can get your dad. I was like, get my mom. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, we'll get the mom. And then finally they got a hold of my mom through my sister. And I was in Trauma Delta 1. If y'all don't know if there's any nurses in here, but that's like the worst of the worst. Okay. And, um, but basically through that whole experience, you're probably asking me, you know, I kept thinking to myself, how are any of these people going to be able to relate to, okay, so God saved her from dancing in a car accident. How am I going to relate to that? My, that's not my testimony. My testimony is do not wait for God to save you at the last minute. So, it's, it's the end times. Don't wait because, you know, I had three seconds and then my life was almost over. And it should have been. Should have been. I'm. I should not be walking here. I should be paralyzed or worse, but I'm not. Amen. Tell me a 4,000-pound girl and a 100-pound girl, you know, how does that odd up, yeah. you know? But 
don't wait till God to come to the last minute and be like, oh, I thought that. I was like, I'm young. I have all the time in the world to go get saved. I have all the time. I'm going to go have fun with my friends. I'm going to do all the wrong things. And then, then I'll, like, you know, I'll go back. No. Because when I was under there screaming for my life, I was like, oh, my God, please save me. I know I'm not worthy. Please, please save me. It's too late. I don't want to go to hell. It's so real. Jesus, God help us. So whether you're 40 or you're 16 or you're however old, if you're not right with God, I really suggest you do it because if you don't, he might send a car like, to get on top of you like me, then I promise you Amen. you're going to want to be <laughs> safe. Um, and then uh, I want to dedicate this to my mom. When I was three months old, my mom, she gave me back to God. And I always thought that was so stupid. I was like, oh, okay, I was a baby. You know what I mean? Wow. But now when I was laying under that car, Ooh. I was so happy. Because I was thinking, and I'm like, why would God be here now? You know? I was like, the devil was so happy with me. He was like, man, I got her in this hole. She's never going to be able to climb out of, you know, I got her, look at this thing she's doing. She's dancing, she's drinking, she's partying, she's sleeping with these boys. What sin? I got her so marked. You might as well write my, my name on her forehead because she is mine. I'm the devil. Okay, so Jared's the devil because I didn't want to point, like, anyone to be the devil. And then Jason's going to be God because, so this is me. I'm under this car, and I'm moments away from possibly dying, and I'm going to hell. And that's God, and he's fighting the devil right now, because that's my point. That's my point is, you know, if you ever feel like God's just given up for you and he doesn't want you no more, I promise you, once you're a child of God, you're always a child of God, and he will always fight for you. She came up with a skit and everything. She did. Amen. Thank you, Tori. She has a heart to begin to sow into lavish ministries. And they go into these strip clubs and minister to the women. And she sat down with me and Carrie that day and she said, they're not bad ladies. She said, they're single moms. She said, they're hurting. She said they just, need, they just need to fill the void of Jesus in their heart. They're just searching. They're lonely. They know nobody. And so I just, tonight I, I just want everybody to bow their head and for a minute close your eyes. And Brother Rafe, you, um, you saw the pictures of Tori's car and she should be in hell. She should be dead, but God spoke to her. God spoke to Hagar when she was running, fleeing from Sarah and Abraham. But the grace of God came and met her there. And God's grace wants to meet all of us right where we are tonight too. God's grace wants to help all of us tonight. Every one of us. Bad people don't go to hell. 
Great people do. Rich people do. People that can preach and teach and sing do. People that go to church, pay money do. So I wonder if there's anybody here tonight that's unsure of their salvation, unsure if you're right with God, and you would say, you hear what she said tonight. Don't wait till it's too late. That's from a young girl. Don't wait till it's too late. If you're here tonight and you're unsure of your salvation, would you just lift your hand up and say, I'm unsure and I want to know that I'm right with God. I want to know that I'm right with God. Thank you. Any others? just want to know that I'm right with God and that I'm fulfilling the will of God. Is anybody here tonight and you would say that I'm just, I'm fleeing from the presence of the Lord and I know that I am and I'm miserable. I'm just miserable that I'm trying to flee and run. That's all Tori was doing was running. That's all she was doing. And we're all good at running. We're good at running. If you're here tonight and you would just be honest right here, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I'm running. I'm just running. I'm miserable. I'm empty. I know I'm saved, but I'm running. And I'm running. I'm in a dry place. I need a well. I need an angel of the Lord to come visit me. I believe there's angels waging war. I believe there was warfare going on in this house tonight. I felt such warfare. Such warfare. I believe there were angels' wings back and forth all over this house waging war. I believe there were demonic forces in this church. There were demons in this house tonight. Them devils that have pursued Tori and pursued many of you, there were demons in this house. I felt their presence. But I felt the brush of angels' wings, Emily. When the anointing began to move, there were angels fighting and holding these demons off tonight. You think that devil wanted her to share her story? <laughs> I'll guarantee you not. You read it out of the Word, but then you let somebody testify to what the Word says. There's the blood. The blood. If you're tired of running tonight, you raise your hand for salvation. You're just tired of running. and You're ready to run to him. Just let an angel of the Lord come. Let Jesus come, the Holy Ghost come and visit you. You know what he's going to say? Go submit yourself. Go submit yourself somewhere and I'll multiply your seed. If you can't submit... You can't be multiplied. Find a church to be in. I'm telling you. We must submit one to another the things of God. As Brother Rafe just leads us in worship. One of the most dangerous places you can be is out of place. And to know the good that you're called to do and do it not, it's sin for you, it's sin for me. 
God's dealing with this body. God's dealing with this bride. Get ready. God's drawing hearts, stirring hearts. Tori's a product of prayers. So maybe you have children tonight that's lost and you need to go to an altar one more time for them. You say you're tired of going to an altar for them. Go one more time. I bet her family felt the same at times. They went one more time. Look at what God did. There's hope tonight all over this house. There's hope tonight. I'm telling you, there's a visitation of the Holy Ghost in this house. I know it's been way different. But I'm telling you, there's a visitation of the Holy Ghost that's about to visit this house. He's about to visit individual lives. It's up to you if you tell anybody about it or not. Just close your eyes for a minute. Just ask the Lord to come visit you. If anybody sees him, I want you just to lift up your hand. If you see Jesus there before you in the spirit, just raise your hand up. Say, I see him. What's he doing, Dom? He's what? Wow. Admiring you. Jesus. Let him visit you. Let him love on you. Just like he did Hagar at that well. That well means God sees me. God sees you right where you are in your brokenness and your hurt and your pain, your trouble. God sees you tonight. Let him love you. Hallelujah.